You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, March the 12th, 2021, and it's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke. Joining us this week is an old friend of Eric's, Bob Thompson. Bob, of course, a Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Raymond James in Vancouver, and he's been a regular guest host of these weekly wrap-up segments uh, while Eric has been on hiatus. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for sitting in with me today. Fantastic to be with you again, Craig. It's a pleasure to have you join me, my friend. And uh, before we get started, remember, Sprott Money is the sponsor of all these great weekly wrap-up segments, the thing we now do with Christopher Mullen uh, at the first of every month talking about the charts. we got the Ask the Experts segment. And, of course, Sprott Money, fantastic place to shop for physical metal and to even store that metal. We currently have our Sprott Signature Sale going on. We have over 15 discounted gold, silver, and platinum products, including our best sellers like the Sprott Rounds and the Royal Canadian Mint 100-ounce Silver Bars. But there's less than 10 days left in the sale. You can get some silver and gold directly online, of course, at SprottMoney.com. But as always, if you'd rather talk to a human being, just pick up the phone, give us a call at 888-861-0775. Bob, it's been a, an interesting week for the precious metals. It seems like uh, price is fully controlled by the algos this week. If uh, interest rates go down... Gold goes up. If interest rates go up, gold goes down. And at the same time, if the dollar goes down, silver goes up. And when the dollar goes up, silver goes down. All of this ahead of what will be an interesting week next week with the FOMC. What are your thoughts as we wrap up things here on Friday? Well, you know, it's interesting. Every week we debate, uh, you know, the fundamentals. We're actually looking at fundamentals, strange, right? But we look at the fundamentals of the silver market and the gold market, and and we see lots of positivity going forward. But what, what you just mentioned there... You know, most of the managed money out there isn't looking at the fundamentals. They're, you know, they're the algos, they're the hedge funds, and they just have a, a green button for buy and a, and a red button for sell. And if interest rates go up, if the U.S. dollar goes up, then they press the sell button automatically for gold and silver and, uh, and, and vice versa. So that, that's all fine in the short run. And everything that's happening right now is pretty normal for, for, for this time. Um, you know, coming out of a, a, a huge bust like we had last year with the with the economy, and what I mean by that is inflation expectations are increasing, but inflation expectations are not increasing as fast as interest rates, and that's the key right now. And it's very very normal for this this, this time in the cycle. We've had it many times in the past in in in, in some bull markets, and it, I think it's healthy for a bull market. And you know. It, isn't it interesting, as I said, that people don't worry about the fundamentals anymore? They just yep. they just have the red button and the green button, and and uh, um, um, you know they, they press either one depending on what's happening in the market. People is an interesting term to use, Bob. <laughs> I guess people program the computers, <laughs> but we know that you know even on the stock New York Stock Exchange, eighty to ninety percent of the daily trading volume is just HFT computers, and I'm sure that translates to the COMEX as well. Um, until we get those inputs that the computers take their cues from, uh, we got to get those inputs to change. And uh, whether that's a falling dollar or falling interest rates, that, that's what we need to get back to. Next week will be interesting. As we mentioned, we've got the March FOMC meeting. Chairman Powell kind of deflated everybody expecting some big announcement when he failed to share anything last week. What are your thoughts uh, come Wednesday. Anything, do you expect anything interesting from Powell and his FOMC? 
Well, generally speaking, you know, I've traded the the, the gold stocks and 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 gold quite a bit over the years, obviously, and right around these Fed meetings. And interestingly enough, it's it you know not 100% of the time, but many times it's a great idea to buy into the gold sector right before the Fed meeting. Because this this negativity is kind of built up going into it, and then the Fed massages it and gets a little bit more, you know, um, dovish than, than than people thought, and the the, the pressure build kind of um, ends up in in a bit of a surge in the gold stocks and the, and the gold uh, the gold prices. And you know, as I've said before, it isn't the news that's really important. It's what is expected to be the news that's important, and then how the, how the actual news relates to that, right? So if there's a lot of negativity going in, and they're not as dovish. Um, as uh, as a lot of people think they should be, then gold price might still go up because more, uh, you know, aggressiveness or uh, was uh, was actually factored into uh, factored into their thoughts, and that's where people go wrong in, in in the market is they look at the news and act upon that. It's not the news that matters; it's what was expected to happen versus what actually happens. And you know, that's uh, you know, just to talk about inflation, we got inflation numbers uh, this this past week, right? And they weren't as bad as a lot of people thought. So you know, that wasn't necessarily. Uh, a positive for gold when that happened. But, you know, 1.7% CPI, I, I don't know who out there thinks that prices only go up 1.7% in, in the last year. It's, it, it's, it's absolute craziness. I don't know. don't know where they get their numbers from. And then, of course, the Fed uses the core PCE, which is the personal consumption expenditures, the core personal consumption expenditures to, to calculate the kind of their inflation. And, you know, that factors out food and energy, right? Which is, which is crazy because, right. you know, I don't know who out there, you know, doesn't eat or doesn't use energy, but I guess there, there's a bunch of people that don't because that's what they use. Anyway, those are the numbers. And, uh, um, you know, as Eric said for a long time, we got inflation. Uh, inflation, I think, is a lot greater than what is uh, what is expected out there, and that's going to, you know, in- inflate away a lot of this, uh, a lot of this debt. And we can get into that later. Yeah, no, you know, that was one of the questions that we had uh, this week. Uh, you know, again, you can always submit questions for Ask the Expert or for these weekly wrap-ups through the email address submissions at sproutmoney.com. And we use that term quite a bit about inflate away the debt. And one of the questions was, what does that mean? Um, in a sense, it is printing a bunch of new cash uh, to pay your interest on the debt and to provide you know, these stimulus checks and everything else that the U.S. is doing. But at the same time, uh, that should cause inflation, which should cause interest rates to rise. So if you're going to inflate away and manage that debt and pay it with future dollars, you've got to cap interest rates. Uh, that's mm-hmm. also called yield curve control. Uh, Bob, is that something that you'll be looking for, something you expect as kind of a macro policy in the months ahead? Right, right. At these, at these levels here of, of debt, you know, you know, it used to be federal debt. Now it's corporate debt. Corporations are in massive debt. Consumers are in massive debt. Everybody's in, in incredible amounts of debt. But, you know, talking, talking federally here, sure, what what governments do is they either don't pay back their money, and, you know, companies, countries like Argentina and other countries throughout history have done that. Um, I don't really think that's what's going to happen here because that would be catastrophic. But the other thing you can do is inflate away the debt, which is which means you let inflation run, and you keep interest rates relatively low. And there's nothing new here. You know, all the modern technology we have today. There's nothing new from what they did during World War II or many times since. 
Um, basically, you know, after World War II, they let inflation run um, dramatically at that time. The economy was actually booming um, because everybody was coming back from the war. But they capped, they might not have called it yield curve control at the time, but they capped interest rates across the curve. And they said U.S. bonds cannot pay more than this amount of money. So obviously, if you got, you know, 7% uh, inflation that's even reported, and you have 2% interest rates, you're losing 5% of your money every year to inflation. So in 10 years, you know, the, the debt has actually gone down fairly dramatically. And uh, that's how you reduce your debt. You didn't pay anything down on your debt. You just melted away the dollars that were there. That's exactly right. And mm -hmm. that's what we're waiting for. Those The hints of that, Fed won't just come out and say, I wouldn't think, Bob, I wonder your opinion on this. They won't just come out and say, we are hereby today, March 17, 2021, not going to allow the 10-year, uh, anytime a 10-year rate gets above 1.5%, we're going to aggressively buy treasuries. They won't go from zero to 100. They'll do it in baby steps. So maybe a hint next week might be something like, we are going to start uh, extending the maturities that we're buying in our QE program, something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They, they they will never come out directly and say that, you know, this is what they're going to do, financial su suppression, basically, right? But what they are going to do is is work around the edges, like I said, to, to get to their goal. And everybody has to look at their statement, read between the lines, see if the wording's a little bit different than what it was last time, uh, et cetera. And, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, um, a person like Stanley Druckenmiller, right, said, who is one of the best money managers ever, said a long time ago, he said, you know, isn't it funny? I used to look at the market and see where we were going in the market and make investment decisions based upon what I saw happening in the market. And he said, you just can't do that anymore. He said, we're all trying to outguess what the, how the Fed's going to manipulate the market. How are they going to manipulate the yield curve next? How are they going to, um, you know, decrease the spreads on corporate bonds? How are they going to um, pump up the banking system. And he said, all of these measures, obviously, are we're just trying to outguess what the Fed's doing now. We're, nothing's based upon fundamentals. If you look at the fundamentals, I mean, the balance sheet is just horrific of, of the U.S. So, you know, I call it rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's what they're trying to do right now, yeah. right? We're still going to get to the end place down the road, but it makes it look a little bit better uh, as, as, we're, as we're going along our path. Yep. And as that Titanic sinks, that's why we all continue to, at least I do, and I know you do, and probably many of our listeners do, continue to stack physical precious metal in our own possession as preparation for that. But, a lot, you know, a lot of folks buy the mining shares for speculating, and we spend a lot of time with Eric when he's here uh, talking about individual mining shares. One of the questions that came in this week, though, Bob, that I'd like to send to you is uh, someone said, in, you know, for people like myself, I have an interest in mining shares, but I don't have the confidence or the, or the background to invest confidently in individual companies. So are there, there are a lot of ETFs out there. Are there any specific ones uh, that you think do that job better than others? Yeah, and I, I you know, that's a, that's a really good question because, you know, we're experts in this industry, but uh, to, to most people, this is just a subsector of the market. So if they want exposure, obviously, you know, you, you got to take a diversified exposure, and I, I think that's a that's a really good point because ETFs have been 
garnering, you know, not just mining ETFs, but S&P 500 ETFs or, or whatever sectors have been garnering this tremendous amount of inflow in the past uh, few years. And nobody pays attention to actually picking stocks anymore. Everybody just pays attention to what that subsector is doing, this one exposure to it. So there's a couple of things that you can do even in ETFs. I mean, the, 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 the general ETFs, the GDXs of the world, um, you know, they just are, are, are pretty passive they just take a position, you know, rebalance from time to time. Then you get other ETFs, which are which are factor-based ETFs, and those ones are a little bit like managed money. Um, you don't have somebody actually picking the stocks, but they're actually looking at specific factors that make companies, um, you know, stock prices do better over time, right? And and uh, you know, the Sprott Gold Miners ETF is good from that perspective. Um, you know, and and there's some other ETFs that are factor-based in the mining sector. Um, you know, then there's some junior ones, right? And obviously, in a bull market, the, the junior ETFs, or sorry, the junior stocks um, tend to do a lot better, but they, they, they tend to get crushed on the downside, too. So you just have to find your own risk level. And, you know, it's not to give advice here to anybody. People have to be comfortable with their own risk level, kind of look at the worst case scenario of any investment or ETF or stock or mutual fund that you're buying, and then say, am I comfortable with that? Uh, in the allocation that I have, and then you know, feel free to have an allocation to it. But there's 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 a few different methods, and you know, life has got a lot more complicated over the past few years. You used to just buy kind of a a mutual fund where somebody was picking stocks, and that's still a great idea. There's still a lot of really good mining mutual funds out there. Um, um, you know, or you can go halfway between active and passive, and and buy these kind of factor based uh, ETFs also. Yeah. Nope, absolutely. Uh, Bob, let's let's wrap up uh, talking about the stocks because that's obviously an area of your expertise. I found it interesting this week after, you know, this long grind down, painting what appears to be kind of a bull flag on the chart. But, man, this has gone on a lot longer than I thought it would here. Man, we've gone on now seven months. Uh, but finally this week, the shares seem to be, look to me like maybe getting some bargain hunting. You know, they're not just getting washed out on every up day. In fact, as we record this, about 11 o'clock Eastern on Friday morning, uh, the shares are all off their opening lows. I mean, they're still down, but we might actually get a green candle today. It seems as if there's some bargain hunting going on. Do you see that? And if, if that's the case, what do you what do you make of it? Is that a good sign? Yeah, you know, 100%. You're, you're right there. And, and the stocks tend to look through what's currently happening with the, with the gold price. And that's all a function of, you know, again, what I said today, don't pay attention to the news today, pay attention to what the news is going to be a few months from now. And, you know, that's how the stocks seem to be, seem to be trading. So yeah, I was, I was in there buying some of the, some of the senior stocks actually, which were, which were beat up worse um, when gold hit about 1670, because I thought 1650 to 1675 was probably going to be the washout low. And it, it tended to, be at the upper end of that, but uh, but you saw the stocks even when gold was getting crushed for a couple of days though the stocks were up a bit and and you know as as I've mentioned before it was it was like trying to hold a beach ball underwater right you can push and push but it but they just keep popping back up and that's what it felt like so that that gave me confidence that 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 the stocks had found a base and we saw that back in September too um, and uh, you know that's why I think this 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 rally is going to happen but in the in in the short run I think this is. This is really important. We're, you know, it's the real interest rates. People are still push, pushing the, 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 the sell button right now as, as real rates kind of um, uh, go up. But the other thing is, 
that the U.S. dollar, um, you know, is up today. DXY's, you know, up at uh, what ninety-one eighty-three as we as we talk, and uh, you know that's up about half a percent. So, you know, that that's why gold's getting hit today, and. The negativity on the U.S. dollar, the amount of short positions on the U.S. dollar is at multi-multi-year highs right now, right? And that's important to know because you, you, we are going to get some bounces off of that, right? Um, usually, you know, you get some sort of short-term trend reversal when you see these extremes, either extreme positivity or extreme, extreme ne- negativity. And right now we have a lot of extreme negativity in the U.S. dollar. So that's why we're getting these, these days where the, the, where the dollar is uh, popping up a little bit. And the other, the other thing that's important, I think, to pay attention to on the gold price is that um, we haven't seen this much bearishness in gold with hedge funds since May of 2019. And I think that's a really good data point. May of 2019 uh, was the only other time in recent memory that hedge funds were as negative on gold as they are today. And of course, we know what happened in June of 2019. Yep. Gold popped up through 1300 and moved all the way up to 2000 in the bull market. So I tend to look at that, you know, and smile when I see that. I'm like, great. The hedge funds are all negative. They're all on one side of the trade on gold again. That makes me pretty positive. If I tie that together, Bob, it was in middle of June 19 at the June FOMC meeting that the Fed started to cut the Fed funds rate after mm-hmm. quarter after quarter of, you know, seeing it rise into the end of 2018. And that mm-hmm. kind of got things rolling. Like you said, kind of, kind of similar to where we are right now. That's right. That's right. That's why I like to you know, buy the gold shares before the Fed meetings. Doesn't always work, but more often than not, it uh, it has. Bob, one of the services you offer your clients is your own newsletter. You've been writing for years. What can you tell me about that? Sure, it's it's the it's the gold digger. It's called, and uh, you know, we deal. This is a hugely cyclical industry, and we deal with senior mining executives in the industry managing their own personal finance. And when we're doing that, and people have very, very, very concentrated positions in in, in mining shares, you got to know where you are in the cycle. So the gold digger talks a lot about um, the, the the cycle. It talks a lot about things that other people aren't aren't discussing. Um, when we get excessive optimism in the sector, when we get excessive pessimism. Um, talks about some, some wealth management techniques and talks about something called the mining clock, which uh, we've talked about before. And I think the, you know, the, the mining clock is, is, is a great thing for taking all this information that we, that we, we say here, you know, looking through all of the noise and uh, you know, focusing in on, on where we are in the cycle. If, if you have a comfort level, and this is for all the listeners out there, if you have a comfort level that we're in a bull market for gold, right, and, and during a bull market – you get these uh, setbacks. You're always going two steps forward and one step back. As long as we all understand this is one of the step backs right now, but we're in a bull market, things are going to get better going forward, then it makes people feel a lot more confident about, uh, about holding their positions, not selling your gold, not selling your gold stocks. And, you know, I, I think uh, that, that's why it's really important to really take a look at the big picture. You bet. Bob, if somebody wanted to reach you, do you got an email address you can pass along? Sure. It's Thompson Investments, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, investments at RaymondJames.ca. There you go. And I I can speak for Bob. He knows what he's talking about, and he's a very nice guy. I'd be happy to, I'm sure, respond to any email requests that you send him. Uh, as we begin to wrap up again, it's going to be a very interesting week next uh, with a focus on Fed policy. Again, never a bad time to stack physical metal. And, of course, you can do that at SproutMoney.com. And, again, that phone number is 
1-800-861-0775. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. We appreciate all your questions and comments. And of course, if you enjoy the weekly wrap-up or Ask the Expert or any of the other content from Sprott Money, be sure to like, share, maybe even subscribe to whichever channel it is that you enjoy these podcasts. Bob Thompson from Raymond James in Vancouver has been our guest this week. Bob, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Great to be on with you again, Craig, and look forward to next time. You bet. From all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening and have a great weekend.